Well, thank you very much for that welcome. Really is uh, great to see you. Great to see any of you uh, watching in from our other Kingsgate centres. Great to be here and great to be bringing you part five of our series, uh, Whatever You Do. All anchored in Colossians 3 and verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That is, whatever you do, not just as Christians on a Sunday, but your Monday through Saturday life, whether that's your workplace or what you do with your retirement years or your parenting or your place of education, whatever it is, whatever you do, uh, it's for Jesus. He's invested in it. He's interested in all of it. And today, the aspect uh, that we're looking at of the everyday life, the whatever you do life is, and you might remember just from a few weeks ago, David Robertson reminding us that the Christian life is all about knowing Jesus and about making him known. Well, today we're focusing on the latter. How do we make Jesus known in our everyday life? In whatever we do, how do we share the message of Jesus with others? Many of you will know I am a uh, university lecturer. Uh, what you might not know is that even though I am an employee of my uh, university, De Montfort University in Leicester, that doesn't mean I'm guaranteed a car parking space. Uh, this is something of a bugbear of most people who work in a university. Clark Kerr, the former president of the University of California, once said, I have sometimes thought of the modern university as a series of individual faculty entrepreneurs held together by a common grievance over parking. And uh, I completely agree with him. On these uh, days when I can't get a parking space, I have to go and find another car park. And my uh, public car park of choice uh, is the one in the Holiday Inn, which is just over the road from De Montfort University. And on the occasions where I get up late, doesn't happen so much anymore, but uh, get up late and do end up having to park in the Holiday Inn car park. As I come out of that car park, when I come down the stairs and look at the outside wall on the Holiday Inn, there's a blue plaque, which you can see here, and you can perhaps just make out there. It says Carey's Cottage, that is, William Carey's Cottage used to stand somewhere near that site. And you can perhaps see on there as well, William Carey, uh, in the 18th and 19th century, was a missionary to India. In fact, he's known as the father of the modern mission. Uh, but I'm sure we can all agree that his greatest achievement as all uh, is to have one of the rooms at Kingsgate Peterborough named after him. Um, I told David this earlier. He said, oh, which room is it? Um, <laughs> he, he didn't really. I, I'd already told him. Um, and whenever I have to park here and go past that blue plaque. I find myself on my way to work just with a head and a heart filled with all the wonderful notions of what it must be like to be a missionary. Uh, to leave your home behind and to go off to some uh, distant land untouched by the gospel, uh, to be among a people who don't really know the real Jesus, and then to find that whatever issues or problems that they might have in their lives, to know in your heart of hearts that you've got the answer and that actually you can share the good news of Jesus Christ with them and begin to see God working in their lives and transforming their lives. And then I put such romantic notions out of my head and I've headed on to the humdrum of my normal working life. Well, this message is born out of a realisation that actually that's not quite right. In fact, the world of the missionary, William Carey, and the world of senior lecturer in accounting and finance, Tom Webster, are not quite as far apart as it might first seem. After all, when I head off to the quote-unquote humdrum of my working life, I am heading off to a place which is largely untouched by the gospel, to among a people who don't really know the real Jesus, with all sorts of issues and problems, 
And I know in my heart of hearts that I actually have the good news of Jesus Christ that will transform whatever those issues are. That actually as I'm heading off to my work, I'm heading off to my mission field. And it's the same for you, whether it's your workplace or whatever it is, whatever you do, from our Monday to Saturday, that is our mission field. That is the place where we can make Jesus known. And to help us to do that, we're going to continue in uh, Colossians as Paul is unpacking this everyday life, this whatever you do life. In Colossians chapter 4 and verses 2 to 6, he unpacks what this life looks like for the way we engage with those outside the faith. That is how we are witnesses. So Colossians 4 verses 2 to 6, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Let me just interject there. seems so far Paul is basically going along with the error I had in mind at the beginning. That he's basically saying, your job as one of the people in the church is to pray for the missionaries to be able to proclaim the name of Jesus. So that's what we've got to do. But Paul doesn't stop there. He continues in the next couple of verses, and that's where I'm going to concentrate my message, to basically give advice, give instruction for how we can actually share with people in our normal lives. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. You let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. In other words, in verses 2 to 4, what he's effectively saying is pray that Jesus may be proclaimed. But what he's then saying in verses 5 and 6, he's giving advice for how to be a witness for Jesus in whatever you do. And it's that that I want to think about today. How do we be those witnesses? How do we make Jesus known in our everyday lives? And I want to set this up as a bit of a a confession of failure on my part here, and I hope that will be of some encouragement to you all, that... Since I've become a Christian, I have desperately wanted to see other people come to the Lord. And because I've been able to do what I'm doing right now, and because of Alpha and things like that, I've led lots of people to the Lord, and I've seen lots of people in my family come to the Lord. But actually in the workplace, I've really not seen anybody come, if I can put it like this, from zero to Jesus um, in all the jobs that I've had among that time. And I want to change that. In fact, I'm always convicted and challenged and encouraged when I uh, prepare for messages, but none more so than this one. As I've really been challenged along the way and encouraged to make a difference in this so that I can make Jesus known to those that I see in my everyday life. And I'm hoping that it's the same for some of you. Maybe some of you are really good with this. Maybe some of you are in the same kind of position as me. But I want all of us to be able to make that difference, taking what the Apostle Paul is saying here by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we might make Jesus known in whatever it is we do. And help us do that from this passage then, just from those couple of verses really. I want to look at two things, and they are two steps. Uh, Number one is this, prepare the platform. Can you say that for me please, number one? Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Uh, The observant among you will notice that right now I am standing on a platform. This platform is prepared Sunday by Sunday for different things, but one of the things that it's prepared for is so that preachers and people like me can do what I'm doing right now, that is, share the message of Jesus. 
And therefore, certain preparations are needed. The platform needs to be cleared, we need to have the lectern brought on, there need to be sound checks, microphones, all that kind of thing, so that there is a platform from which Jesus can be made known. You notice here, Paul basically says the same thing for us in our everyday lives. He doesn't just leap in and say, make the most of every opportunity. He doesn't just leap in and say, know how to answer everybody. First, there are things you must do. There are preparations that must be made. He says there's a certain way we are to act, and there are things we're supposed to do with our speech. If I can put it like this, if we're going to make Jesus known in our whatever we do lives, our everyday lives, we don't prepare a platform, a physical platform with lecterns and microphones and so on, but we do prepare a platform through our conduct and our conversation. So if we're going to do that, if we're going to make Jesus known, I want to look at both those things. I want to consider our conduct and our conversation. Firstly, our conduct. At the beginning of verse 5, he says this, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Well, some other versions actually use that word, conduct, or be wise in the way you conduct yourself. In other words, it's being a good witness, being a kingdom ambassador. And if we want to tell people about the kingdom, then we want to make sure we're, our conduct is becoming of that kingdom. You might remember, um, about six months ago or something like that, um, I shared an example in a message about Bob Woolley. Some of you know will uh, know Bob Woolley and uh, Kathleen Woolley. They're uh, people here in the uh, Peterborough Centre. Uh, they're a great couple. And Bob had a, um, a very successful career as a, a, a sales manager uh, for many, many years. And when he retired, he was actually um, got lots of offers from people who'd been competitors of his company along the years to do some very lucrative consultancy work. And the reason they told him that they wanted him to do that is because they'd observed his conduct while they were competing with him. In other words, what they'd been able to see is that this was a man who could be trusted, a man as, of integrity. If you think back to Dave Smith's message from a couple of weeks ago, where he was talking about climbing the stairs, one of those points was about being integrous. Well, I'm just going with a different angle here. Once we've climbed the stairs, we're on the platform. That integrity shines, and you've therefore got something to show to people. What I didn't have time to tell you at that particular time was those people that offered those jobs to Bob were not the only people watching him. Bob told me about a time that a, a lady that he worked with and didn't work with her very closely, didn't know her very well. In fact, Bob didn't even know that she would know if he was a Christian. But she was once having a difficult situation. He can't remember what it was, a domestic situation, problems in her marriage or something like that. And somehow she just got this feeling that actually the church could help. And somehow she knew because she'd been able to see through Bob, she knew he was a Christian. And so she asked him for advice. So his conduct, she'd been able to see something in that that made her think he was the man to go to. So he was able to give her advice, and not only that, to point her towards the church. But what Bob has said to me as well, the thing he realized about it, is he had no idea she even knew he was a Christian or anything like that. And he said this, he said, you just never know who's watching. Now, for some of you, that might think that's a little bit scary, what I'm being watched all the time, that kind of thing. But it needn't scare us. In fact, it should encourage us. Because actually, all we need to do is be close to Jesus, be who we are, and actually people will see that conduct coming through. As uh, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. My four-year-old Jack has got many different toy cars, but one little toy car he's got is a little bit different. Um, if you take a light and you shine it like a torch onto the wheels of this little car, and then you turn off all the lights, you'll see that the wheels are actually glowing in the dark. 
And all you have to do is concentrate those wheels, let them absorb the light, and then they shine in the darkness. And it's very much the same with us. All we need to do is absorb Jesus' light, stay in touch with Jesus, keep close to him, and our light will shine for others to see. And then what we'll see is that our conduct is becoming of the kingdom. And others will want to come and speak to us about things, just like that lady sought out Bob. We'll have a platform from which to make Jesus known, from which to point out that the church and Christ is the answer. But Paul doesn't just say about your conduct here. He also has stuff to say about our conversation. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. Grace is a wonderful word, a wonderful theological concept. It's very, very deep, and there's all sorts of things to say about it. But actually here, probably just using it in a very simple way. It's really just saying, let your conversation be gracious, as in let your conversation be pleasant, or uplifting, or encouraging, or uh, kind, or sweet, or that lovely old English word, winsome. Um, you sometimes hear that, don't you, in church, but it's a lovely word. I remember years ago, Simon Deeks on this very platform, sharing a message about the time that he'd started work here at Kingsgate uh, Peterborough, or if you're watching, at Kingsgate Peterborough. And I remember at the time, Simon saying, because he's had a career change from being a very successful secondary school teacher to then becoming a pastor, that even though Kingsgate is a lovely place to work, that actually he was pretty nervous, he was feeling pretty anxious. And he recalled a time when he was walking down the corridor one day and he bumped into Mike Pawson. If you don't know Mike Pawson, Mike Pawson is one of the pastors here at the Peterborough uh, Centre. And Mike has uh, a very great gift of winsome speech. Very uplifting, very encouraging. You often come away from him feeling 10 foot tall. And Simon was walking down the corridor feeling rather anxious and Mike saw him and he said, Oh, Simon! Hey, Simon, it's great to have you on board. It's an impeccable impression, if you don't know mine. He said, Simon, I want you to know, we're all rooting for you. And Simon came away feeling uplifted, feeling encouraged. That's what he was sharing about. Why? Because he'd been the recipient of gracious speech, the recipient of winsome speech. About a year after that, I was going through my own career change. I'd been uh, an accountant, don't know if I was a successful one, but I'd been an accountant anyway for a few years, and then I'd started as a, a teacher at a financial training centre. The first six months of that job were six of the most nervous months of my life. I genuinely wake up every morning feeling sick until I went to bed and then had fevered dreams about turning up late for classes and things like that, and then would wake up feeling sick again. And it's nice, isn't it? If you've ever been in that situation and you're working alongside somebody else who's maybe just started, and if they're doing really well with it and being confident and you can kind of look up to them and gives you a bit of courage. Uh, but I didn't have that. I had someone else who was feeling even worse than me and even more anxious, and frankly, that was better. And I remember I would sometimes talk with this lady and we'd sort of share stories of how scary the students were and all this kind of stuff. And I remember one particular morning, just before she was going into class, she was really like, freaking out like really worried about what was going to happen and so on. And I wanted to encourage her. So, under the inspiration of Mike Pawson, and hopefully the Holy Spirit as well, I, uh, I was inspired by Mike. In fact, I wasn't just inspired by Mike, I just plagiarised Mike. Uh, I said to her, I just want you to know we're all rooting for you. And she has told me since then, so six months later, I remember in our next sitting, she said, I'll never forget that morning when she said that. She told me in the following sitting, about 12 months after that, and when I left the company after a couple of years, she said to me, I'll never forget you saying that to me. It meant so much to me that morning. See, what I was doing there is I didn't have to, and she didn't have to know that I was copying somebody else, but I didn't have to, but basically what I was doing was just using gracious speech. 
I was just in my conversation just doing something to encourage her, to give her something of a lift. And we must be the same. If I can put it like this, we must be winsome so that we might win some. Thank you. Okay. So you wanted to grow and I waited long enough and I got my applause, so I'm happy in this. But thank you. But we need to have conversation that's full of grace. But that's not all that Paul says here. He says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. That can pass us by living in this age as we do. But if you lived in um, the uh, ancient world, obviously you would not have had a refrigerator. And therefore, if you were going to stop your food from getting rotten, what you needed to do is you needed to apply a preservative, and the common preservative was salt. In other words, salt was applied to your food to stop it rotting. And what the Apostle Paul is saying here is that that's exactly the same concept when it comes to your conversation. Your conversation ought to be seasoned with salt. That is, the things you say ought to stop the rot. It's a very visceral language for me because I have been... Uh, a party to conversations, not in them, if you know what I mean, but witness them in the workplace where I just thought, this conversation is just rotten. Like, it's, it's, it's just dying. This, there's something horrible about this. Without giving too much away, just in case the person ever uh, listens to this message, but in one particular sphere, I remember just speaking to somebody in a place where I couldn't really get away, and all they were doing is just going through all the people we knew in that particular sphere and just character assassinating one after the other. Have you ever had someone talk to you in that way? And by the end of the conversation, I was just feeling like, this is rotten, this is, this is horrible, this stinks. Like, you know, when you come away from a conversation like that and you just feel like you really want a long, deep soak in a bath just to get it off you, it was that kind of feeling. And what the Apostle Paul is saying here is, it isn't enough just to go along with that. Sometimes I think we think that. Sometimes I think we think we build the platform by simply being matey with people, being their friend, and then one day they'll want to hear about Jesus. But actually, we can't do that. It isn't enough to go along with things and just be kind to people and sort of allow them to carry on like that. Sometimes we've got to actually apply the salt. What does that mean? It means actually stop them in their tracks. Sometimes by just refusing to be part of the conversation. Other times by saying, well, look here, I actually think you're being a bit unfair. You say, well, won't that be awkward? Well, yes, it will. (laughs) In many cases, it will. But nevertheless, it'd be that little bit of distinction which makes them think this person is different. It'd be that little thing that helps build that platform. And I know this works in real life because this happened to me once. I've told you all before, I'm sure, that I first came along to Kingsgate, invited by a friend in September 2006 to the uh, Kingsgate Peterborough uh, building opening. Uh, That friend that invited me along was Emily Smith, who is the uh, daughter of Dave and Karen Smith. I didn't know who they were, so she was just Emily, as far as I was concerned, my friend at work. And I suppose it would have been around... August 2006, we were having a conversation and it must have soon become clear to Emily that the next thing I was about to say, or if I completed my sentence, what I was about to say, was something derogatory, something negative about a work colleague of mine. And as soon as she realised this was happening, she went, no, 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 and put her hands over her ears and refused. I was like, what? And you say, wasn't that awkward? Well, yeah, it was pretty much. But nevertheless, it stuck out to me. See, my conversation was rotten. And she was stopping the rot. She was applying the salt. Now, maybe it's a bit of a, uh, a sort of sad commentary on the state of my heart at that particular time, but I remember thinking to myself, hang on a minute, if you can't slag, slag people off, what are you supposed to talk about? <laughs> you know, it's like I've got a friend who's a vegan, and you know, when he tells me everything he can't eat, I'm kind of like, but what does that leave? Like, what can you actually... But yeah, sorry if you're a vegan, I'm saying that. But no, seriously, I'm sorry if you're a vegan. But... <clears throat> 
Experience tells me I should apologize for that quickly. I just want to say, I love vegans, Jesus loves vegans. Please don't be offended. Happy to talk to you afterwards. <laughs> but we might say that well, wasn't that awkward? Didn't you feel a bit silly in that conversation, that particular point? Well, actually, what it really made me think was, my goodness, I wonder if someone could actually keep that up. I wonder if you, could you ever get this experience where somebody is slagging somebody else off to you and your thought is, I bet they're slagging me off to somebody else. <laughs> but in this conversation, I was thinking, oh, well, she won't be doing that to me then. This is somebody you can trust. I wonder if there's other people like that at that church she goes to and has invited me to come along to. In other words, she was being a good kingdom ambassador. Her conversation was becoming of the kingdom. It was building a platform for me to accept that invitation. Let your conversation be full of grace and seasoned with salt. Through our conduct, through our conversation, we're building that platform. It's quite challenging this though. But if we stay with Jesus, our light will shine, others will see it. That'll take care of our conduct. And what's more, if we spend time with Jesus, and this is what I'm finding, and I'm, every single time I preach, this seems to come up time and time again, just that challenge to make sure every morning I start the day with Jesus. As George Mueller, the 19th century preacher, put it, I began to realize that my most important task of the day was to make my soul happy in the Lord. And I found when I do this, when my heart is happy in the Lord, when my heart is full of Jesus, my speech will follow. Luke 6:45. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. <clears throat> so if we're going to prepare the platform, we need to consider our conduct and our conversation. Once we've done that, there is a platform from which, number two, we can make the most of the moment. Again, can you say that for me, number two? Colossians 4 and the latter part of verse 5, make the most of every opportunity. Once you've got that platform in place, there will be opportunities that come up. There will be moments that present themselves and we can take advantage of those moments. How are we to make the most of the moment? Um, well, I've got three things that we can do, three things that we can be, and they are A, B, and C. And the first one is this, alert. We can be alert. I'm absolutely convinced that one of the reasons we don't make the most of the moments where they came up is we're just not awake, we're not alert, we're not ready for those moments. Paul says at the beginning uh, of this little passage on witness, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Doesn't, thankful. doesn't quite come across in the NIV there, but that devote yourself is actually something like this, continue in prayer. And that watchful, some of the versions actually use the word alert, that's what it means, it means stay watchful, stay alert, stay awake. In other words, what Paul is saying at the beginning of this little passage on witness is inviting us, encouraging us to have this permanent state of God consciousness. Does that make sense? In other words, to always be prayerful, always be alert, always be watching out. And later he says that we might make the most of the opportunities. Um, I've got a friend called Ted uh, from Deeping that I used to know uh, before I was a, a still do know, uh, since uh, before I was a Christian. Uh, just quick biographical uh, note here: this is not to be confused with my mate Ted from Bourne. This is Ted from Deeping. Entirely different Ted's. It's important to know that if you know anything about the historic rivalry between Bourne and, and Deeping. Um, and Ted has very recently just had a real, uh, fresh encounter with the Lord. I'd say he was already a Christian, but uh, came to Alpha, was filled with the Holy Spirit, he's been on Beta, he's on the Bible course right now. And around the turn of the year, he said to me that he was just as, as you know, close to God as he'd ever been. You know, he's full of the Spirit, he was praying every day, he was reading his Bible every day, as he still does. 
And around January, so after he'd uh, completed Alpha and done uh, Christmas, one day he was uh, about to head out for work and he couldn't find his car keys. And in that moment, he was just absolutely convinced that God was doing something. So he said, okay, Lord, um, if you want me to get to work without my car, then what do you want me to do? Uh, do you want me to cycle and go left? Or do you want me to walk and go right? And he sensed the Lord say, walk and go right. So he did. <laughs> so he started walking to work. At one point along the way, listening to his Bible in the ear and his headphones, he stopped by a bridge to stop and pray for a little while. And he sensed the Lord say, no, carry on. So he did. And he stopped at the next bridge. And she's more and more convinced the Lord was doing something. He said, Lord, show me what you want me to do. And he sensed the Lord say, carry on walking down that path. So where he'd stopped at the bridge, he walked down this path. And once he got past some trees, he came across a man looking pretty disheveled who was halfway through a bottle of rum. Uh, just to let you know, this was half seven in the morning. And Ted went up to him and he said, look, mate, I don't know if you believe in God, but I just want to let you know that I think God has been leading me to, to come and give you help. Were you praying? And the guy said, well, I was calling out for help. Anyway, Ted said, well, I think I'm the answer to that prayer. And they got talking and he told him a little bit about his situation. Very sadly, he was going through very troubled times and actually had tried to uh, kill himself on a few occasions. This is the 23rd of January, by the way, which is known as Blue Monday when most suicides happen. supposed to be the most depressing day of the year. And Ted said to him, well, why don't you come and meet with me later on? So he did. He met up with him. Uh, he's brought him here. He's brought him on Celebrate Recovery. He's come to Cafe Church and so on. Had a great experience at Kingsgate, Peterborough. And I'd love to be able to tell you that that guy has since become a Christian and he's now training to be a pastor or something like that. Well, I can't tell you that. But what I can tell you is that he started a journey and the other thing, not to be too morbid about it, but who knows where he'd be if Ted hadn't come across him on that particular morning. And what was it that Ted did on that particular morning? Well, quite simply, as well as being obedient and so on and bold, I would also say that the main thing was that Ted was alert. How many of us would have just thought, oh, I can't find my keys and spent another half an hour berating everyone else in our family for not knowing where our keys are and then probably found them wherever we left them in the first place? Okay? Now, I'm not saying every time you leave something, the Lord is going to do something fantastic. But if we're prayed up, we're ready, we're alert, we've got that state of God consciousness, we won't miss the opportunities when God is trying to do something. So that's the first thing, be alert. The second thing is this, be bold. And bear in mind, this is the Apostle Paul talking. I was reading through the book of Acts the other day and just noticed that when Paul um, is knocked uh, to the ground by Jesus on the road to Damascus, once he has found out that everything's going on, has been filled with the Holy Spirit, the next thing it starts talking about Paul doing is he starts going and sharing the message of Jesus. But it doesn't just say he's speaking for Jesus. It specifically says he's speaking boldly. See, the Apostle Paul really got this. It isn't enough to be alert. You might be aware and alert and awake about the situation, but if you chicken out, <laughs> then you're not going to be able to make the most of the moment. But the Apostle Paul had a bit of a head start on a lot of us because he was knocked down by the risen Jesus, and that probably gives you a bit of a kick up the backside. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. But he knew the importance of the gospel message and that therefore we have to be bold in making the most of the opportunity. He said this, Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. In other words, I'm not going to be ashamed of this. The gospel is the way, the avenue, the way that Jesus saves people. 
the gospel, the proclamation of the good news of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ for the saviour of his people from their sins. That message is the way that God saves. That is the medicine for a broken and lost world. And therefore, we've got to be bold. We can't hang back. I said at the beginning, part of my problem with this is actually I've not been terribly successful witnessing in my workplace. I think I've I've been perhaps good in preparing the platform, but this is probably my problem, not being bold enough, backing out when it comes to inviting people and so on, you know, chickening out. I found the more excuses I come up with, the less progress I come. And what I found is actually, you've just got to forget about all that. I don't know what it is, whether it's just fear of rejection or not wanting to look silly, or even though I'm 38 years old, I still think part of it is not wanting to look uncool. What is cool? A stupid, vacuous concept, who cares? We just need to be bold. Apparently, salespeople have this little expression, S-W-S-W-S-W-N. Some will, some won't, so what? Next. (laughs) I think we need to be like that. You might find that, you know, a little bit flippant when it comes to the gospel. But when you're giving out invitations, let's just say that to ourselves. Some will say yes, some will say no, so what? Move on to the next person. And let's keep going with it. Let's keep being bold. Apparently, Simon Dix was telling me the other day that uh, Dave Smith, just before the Father's Day service, uh, was having his teeth done, went into the dentist. And the first thing he said to his dentist, right, we've got Father's Day service coming up. Are you coming? (laughs) Now, that's being bold. Now, sometimes it's a personality thing. You know, you get extroverts and stuff like that. I need encouragement in this as an introvert. I find what I'm doing now pretty easy, if I'm honest with you. I don't know why, but I find it difficult when it's one-to-one in personal situations. But we must be bold. People need to hear the gospel message. So A is be alert. B is be bold. But some of you may be very bold extroverts. You may not need that corrective to be a bit more bold. It may be that in some cases you're a bit too bold. (laughs) And sometimes you go all guns blazing and actually put people off. That's why C is be considerate. We need to actually recognize where people are coming from. Notice Paul says, let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. In other words, people come with questions. In that spirit of graciousness then, that's how you answer those questions. Reminds me of 1 Peter 3.15. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. In other words, do it being considerate. You know, if somebody at work has a question for me, perhaps it's about the faith or related to the faith or just something they're going through. You know, Tom, I've been feeling anxious at the moment. It's no good if I say something like anxious. You know what you really want to be anxious about? The final judgment of God, okay? That might me feel bold and make me feel like I've got a badge of honor for that. But wouldn't it be better to be considerate and say something more along the lines of, do you know what? I used to get anxious all the time. But since I've been a Christian, since I've met Jesus, I've felt a real change in all that. A couple of years ago, when our four-year-old Jack was, was two, that's correct if you check the maths there, I remember we, uh, sorry, um, we needed to get some antibiotics into him. And I was struck by how easy the nurse made it sound and how difficult it was when we got him home. See, he was two. He did not understand that actually he absolutely needed this medicine. And on the one hand, we, he needed it. We had to be bold about getting it in. But on the other hand, we found if we were too bold and went in all guns blazing, we actually put him off So that if we thought it was difficult the first time, it was near enough impossible the second time he needed a dose. We need to consider where he was at, that he's two, and he didn't understand how much he needed this medicine. And it's the same with the gospel message. People need the gospel message. They need this medicine. But at the same time, we need to consider where they're at and be considerate with them so that we can get that medicine into them, so that we can 
earn that way into their hearts so that we can share that message with them. So let's be alert, let's be bold, let's be considerate. I think we're going to make a huge impact and our everyday lives, we might not think of ourselves as big evangelists, as you know, big platform preachers and speakers and missionaries and so on. But if each of us can get a hold of this and make Jesus known in our everyday lives, in our workplace, it's going to make an incredible difference. And to inspire you in that, I just want to show you somebody who has done exactly that in their everyday lives. This is an example uh, that we can all have a look at and be inspired by. Please watch this from Josh. Hi, my name's Josh. I'm a prison officer at HMP Peterborough. I've been there for just under four years now. As I imagine people have seen in the news or seeing documentaries, prisons can be quite tough and challenging environments. Um, me and my colleagues can deal with various incidents such as violence, self-harm or drug use on almost a daily basis. I really feel like I need uh, God's strength and wisdom to deal with some of the situations that we go through. Recently, Kingsgate did a series uh, about being a Kingdom ambassador, and within that series, I felt quite challenged that I needed to try and um, be a stronger Christian within the workplace. Whether this was how I conducted myself with my colleagues or with prisoners, I felt challenged in both areas. During this season, I started to pray more frequently over my workplace and for myself and for my colleagues day in, day out. And during that time, I felt God's protection, and I felt God's favour on my day-to-day uh, -day working life. I feel like uh, being a Kingdom ambassador within the workplace uh, meant to um, try to remain calm when the pressure was on, trying to pe treat people fairly and also trying to act with integrity towards both prisoners and my colleagues, saying I'm going to do something, making sure that I've done my best to get that done. And also I feel like having a good relationship with God has also given me a better resilience within the workplace because knowing that God's there no matter what the situation is. I don't find sharing my faith the most natural thing for me to do. However, I've had a few opportunities at work to share my faith and over the last six months, I've seen two of my colleagues begin to attend Kingsgate. Um, both of them have completed the Alpha and the Beta courses and one of them now brings their family to church. It's really amazing to see the changes that took place in their life and to see that multiple people have started to attend church and that's through sharing um, my faith and the good news to them. I was recently put in contact with a lady who sets up Christian groups within the workplace. I put this idea forward to the chaplaincy at work and they've took this idea on. And we've now started weekly meetings where we spend time in prayer, worship and read scripture. We're hoping that this will have a spiritual impact upon HMP Peterborough and that we'll see this grow over the next few months. I found my faith an essential part of my day-to-day -day work and I'm hoping that through sharing my faith and the good news, to those around me that they'll be able to experience that same level of love and freedom. Well, I trust like me, you were uh, inspired by that. Again, somebody going about their everyday lives. And as uh, Josh said there, sharing the good news and being able to see the difference it made in people's lives. And I think we can all be the same in our whatever it is we do everyday lives. We can make Jesus known to others and start seeing that transformation. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, thank you that you love us, that you sent uh, Jesus to save us and to make our way back to you through him, Lord. Lord, I just pray that we will be uh, alert, that we'll be bold, we'll be considerate, and that we might see more people come to you, that we might be able to make Jesus known. We ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.